Well, you've joined us for week two of our Christmas series, Shine, and each week we are celebrating this reality that the light, the good news of Christ, shines into the darkness, not only for all the world, but specifically into the dark areas of our lives where we have pain, where we have hurt, where we have sickness, where we have addiction, where we have sorrow, the light of Christ can shine into our lives today, this Christmas. And our thematic verse for this series has been John chapter 1, verse 5, where God's word says this about Jesus, who is the light of the world. It says, the light shines in the darkness. This is a present tense shining. It is shining today. It's not just something that happened in the past. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. The darkness cannot overcome it. And so each week, we're reminding ourselves that this is true in our lives. Last week, we learned that joy, that God can shine hope into our hopeless situations. And this week, we're going to explore how God can shine joy into our despair. How he can shine joy into our despair. I don't know if despair describes you right now. Or maybe despair describes someone you know. Or maybe despair describes a part of the world that you live in or have been exposed to recently. Because this is a heavy topic, I want to start with something light and tell you a light story about joy shining into despair. And in the process, I can give you a little moving update on my family. So uh, if you're new, I'm new too. This is my third week here. And I can finally say my family's now here with me. Can we just celebrate that for a minute? Because... Oh my goodness, what a long process of flying back and forth from California to here. I don't know how many times. And just to finally have my family here with me, oh my goodness, it is such a relief. Tuesday, we were cleaning out the rental house that we've lived in for two years in California. And uh, I totally underestimated what it takes to get five Americans out of a house when you have to <laughs> have it completely spotless at the end. Oh my goodness, we have so much junk. And uh, there's a lot of stories that go with it, but I'll tell you um, a couple. One is, you know, we're here now and we're just so thankful to be here. Everything is still in boxes because uh, the boxes are in the house, but I just haven't had time uh, to go through them. And so it's like, now we're in that place of literally like, okay, where is underwear? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm awake, I know where my shaving cream is, but where is underwear? I did find it, okay? I did find it eventually. All right, so we're all good here today. <laughs> but, but as we were cleaning out the house on Tuesday, you know, by Tuesday night, our flight out was Wednesday morning, and my wife and I were just, you know, just kind of physically exhausted as well as emotionally saying goodbye to everyone and trying to help the kids and we're sleeping on Coleman camping cots and sleeping bags in a house that's empty of most of our stuff but um, we got the kids to bed and as we did we noticed that Zoe our five-year-old had a, a fever we took her temperature it was 102.7 it was one of those moments where it's like oh lord like we're just doing our heart we're doing our best here you know how what do we do if she has a fever of 103 tomorrow what do we do with the flight and we prayed, we asked a lot of our friends to pray, and, and God healed Zoe. By the morning, it was 99. By the time we got here, it was back down to normal. So we're just super thankful for that. But I have to tell you a cute story that happened in the process. So the morning Zoe woke up and her fever was down to 99, and my wife and I are just so thankful we can make this flight now. 
um, Zoe prays for breakfast. And as she prays, she prays this, Jesus, I pray that you would give us a safe trip across the country, and I pray that there will be a puppy on the airplane. <laughs> I pray that there will be a puppy that I can pet and hold and love on. In Jesus' name, amen. And it's, you know, it's one of those things as a parent, you're like, okay, that, that's kind of cute. We've got big thing, you know, important stuff to deal with here. <laughs> Move on with the day, all the luggage, we get it checked in, everything. We get on the plane, and guess who's sitting right in front, right in front of Zoe? Not like a couple rows in front, like direct seat in front of Zoe, two poodles. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> so here it is. <laughs> and it was just one of those, I think for my wife and me, just one of those little moments of like, okay, God's still, God's still in the mess. He's in the busyness. He's in the packing up. He's in the being tired and stressed out. And, and he's hearing the little prayers of, would, would you put a puppy on the plane? I was thinking about this. I think in the last two years, because I've gotten to speak at a lot of churches around the country, I've probably flown 40 times. I've seen dogs on planes maybe a handful of times. I've never had a dog right in front of me, ever. And just the, like, what are the chances of this? It's not chances. It's God hearing these really small little things. And you know what I love about it? It's the faith of a child. And that's so important for me in my walk with God because, you know, often my faith is not as strong as I think it should be. But you realize God, he works in your life and he can shine his joy into your despair. He can shine his light into your darkness, not because of how strong your faith is, but because of who your faith is in. You see, God works in our lives not because of how strong our faith is or how good our faith is, but because of the object of our faith. And when the object of your faith is Jesus, it doesn't take much to access his light to shine into any darkness in your life. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, because it's one that I pray almost every week, is a story, true story, where Jesus is interacting with a man who needs healing and the man comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. In other words, Jesus, even when I'm trying to believe in you, even when I'm trying to, to access your light for my life, there's still parts of me that doubt. Even when my faith is at its best, it's kind of tattered and incomplete. It's not a perfect faith. And he says, Lord, I believe, but help the part of me that doesn't believe. And you know what I love about that story? Jesus answers that prayer. Jesus answers that request, and he helps that man's faith, and he heals that man. And there's a lot of times in my walk with God where I have to say, God, I do believe, but would you help my unbelief? And I just want to encourage you with that. If this is a Christmas where you say, I, I want to believe that Jesus can shine light into my darkness, but there's parts of me that doubt, or there's parts of me that feel like it could never happen, then you can just join me in praying that little prayer, Lord, I believe would you please help my unbelief? Well, there's a question that we're wrestling with today because sometimes we pray for puppies and they don't show up. And so the question we're wrestling with today is how do you experience complete joy this Christmas? How do you experience complete joy this holiday season? Now this phrase complete joy actually comes, we're going to see from the scripture. This is a phrase that Jesus used. In other words, he doesn't want you to just have a little bit of joy. He doesn't just want you to have an encounter with joy. He wants you to be filled with a complete joy. How do we experience a complete joy when our circumstances are bad? When our circumstances are beyond our control? 
two Christmases ago in December, I was in Haiti in what is the poorest slum in the Western Hemisphere. It's called City Soleil outside of Port-au-Prince, Haiti. City Soleil is built on an old garbage dump, and so there's literally trash coming up out of the ground. The houses, if you could call them that, are shacks. Most of them are built out of trash. There was a big earthquake there in 2010, so where there used to be concrete buildings, now there's concrete rubble around on the ground. The roads are mud, and the human sewage, the toilet waste, runs into the middle of the road and runs down the road, and there's kids walking around barefoot, walking right through that. And when you're on foot in City Soleil, you smell that human waste, and you also smell the air pollution because uh, in Haiti and Port-au-Prince especially, they burn the trash. They burn all their trash, and so there's just this soot that's constantly in the air. And I remember being in, in that area for about a week and just living in this dense urban poverty it's almost like a post-apocalyptic feeling because there's just broken down cars that have been abandoned, concrete rubble, all this waste and disease, you know, cholera, malaria, things that the rest of the world or the developed world doesn't think about anymore. I remember going from that, that December, to then flying back to the United States, sitting in a clean restaurant, hearing a Christmas carol play over the speakers, and just having this contrast of the pain and poverty versus this just heated, air-conditioned, comfortable American life. And I remember thinking, how do I experience joy when I know that there's so much pain in the world? I remember feeling that. And it might be something that you feel because of what's going on in the world, or it might be something you feel because of what's going on in your world. You might be asking this question because of something that's going on physically with your body, a sickness. Or you might be asking this question because there's an estranged relationship and every time the holidays come around, you're reminded of that, that family member or loved one who won't talk to you. Or because of the reality of death, you're reminded that when you gather in that living room, there's going to be an empty chair where a person used to always sit. And you say, how do I have joy? How do I have complete joy Everyone's singing these songs, and there's tinsel, and there's lights, but how do I have joy in the midst of this kind of circumstance? Many of you know this, but as a review, there's a difference between joy and happiness, and the main difference is the origin. Where does it come from? You see, happiness comes from the outside in. Joy comes from the inside out. Because happiness comes from the outside in, it depends on our circumstances. And so when you really want a shiny new thing and you get the shiny new thing, you feel some happiness for a while and it came from the outside in. Nothing wrong with that, but because of the way it works outside in, it's always going to be temporary. It's always going to be unreliable. Joy, scripture tells us, comes from the inside out. And when you're a believer in Jesus, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and he can give you a joy that bubbles up within, even when your circumstances around you are difficult. In fact, Paul the Apostle writes about this in the book of Philippians, and he's actually writing from a jail cell. And it's from a prison cell that he writes a primer on joy. So here's our question. How do we get that? How do we get that joy that bubbles up from within, even when the circumstances around us 
are imperfect. Anyone want to know the answer to that question? I do. And I want to share with you God's answer. Every weekend when we gather here, the point is not to hear a person stand up and talk. The point is to hear from the word of God. And every weekend when we gather, what we're doing is we're asking the hard questions of life and we're looking to God to answer them. So in John chapter 15, God tells us how to find complete joy. And Jesus is speaking, and here's what he says, starting in verse 11. He says, I've told you this. Jesus has been talking about our relationship to God through him. I've told you this so that my joy, a divine joy of God, may be in you. And your joy may be, what's the yellow word? Your joy may be complete. Anyone want a complete joy? Okay, Jesus is going to keep talking about this. Verse 12, he says, my command is this. Love each other even as I have loved you. What does this kind of love look like? Verse 13, Jesus tells us, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. What is Jesus saying? Well, he's saying that a joy that is supernatural, that comes from within, that joy is found when we give and when we receive sacrificial love sacrificial love. Jesus is saying you find ultimate fulfillment when you give yourself away sacrificially, and you find ultimate fulfillment when you receive gifts from others who've given themselves away sacrificially. You could summarize these three little verses like this. I experience complete joy by giving and receiving sacrificial love. You can experience complete joy this Christmas, not happiness, but joy, no matter your circumstances, when you give and receive sacrificial love. As always, God doesn't just tell us this. He shows us this in the life of Jesus. Jesus models this when he lays down his life at the cross in the ultimate act of self-sacrifice. And it's through that act that our sins are forgiven and we get a new nature so now we can give sacrificial acts of love to the people around us. I want to show you a video that summarizes this truth. Let's watch it together. My mama told me something when I was growing up that has forever changed my life. She played the piano at our little church at 3rd and Pine Street for 37 years. She tried to teach me to play the piano, <laughs> but I wasn't very good. She would teach me the names of the notes, what a major key is, what a minor key is. She tried to teach me musical theory, but I was just bored. Then one day, she told me that the best news in the world is found by playing a simple scale on the piano. I had no idea what she meant, so she told me to play an eight-note scale. So I did. I said, how is that good news? And she said, I played it incorrectly and that I needed to play it the other way. So I did. Again, I said, how is that good news? And she said, I played it the right way, but I needed to add the pauses. The pauses? She said, the pauses. Add them on the first, second, fourth, sixth, seventh, and last note. 
Now, I was frustrated and said, how can eight notes with random pauses be the best news in the world? Then I got up, walked away, and went outside. Frankly, I didn't care what she was talking about. I didn't like playing the piano anyway. Well, years later, my mama got sick and passed away. As I was thinking about her, I remembered what she told me about the piano. Not only that, I still remember the notes she told me to pause. The first, second, fourth, sixth, seventh, and last note. So I sat down at her piano and played the scale with the pauses. she was talking about. Joy is found in receiving and giving acts of self-sacrifice. So when we sing joy to the world, we're not just singing a sentimental song. We're not just doing some religious thing. We're celebrating that the greatest act of self-sacrifice in all the universe, the defining act of self-sacrifice that redefines who we are, has been made. And that we get to receive that. And at Christmas, we celebrate that. And what I want to do is just quickly walk you through some lyrics from that well-known song and explore this joy that is available to you we're going to see it in the lyrics of this song, Joy to the World. And we're also going to see it in Scripture. And here's the first thing we see about receiving this joy. Christ's sacrificial love covers our sins and heals our sorrows. Christ's sacrificial love, remember it's an act of self-sacrifice. You receive that if you want to experience complete joy. It covers our sins. Now, within a lot of the modern renditions of joy to the world, they skip over this verse. But this is a verse of joy to the world. It says, no more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. And I think sometimes modern people take that out because they think sins, sorrows, thorns infest, yucky. That's not happy. We want happy thoughts. It's Christmas. It's sentimental. So they take that out. But you know what they do? This is the darkness of our lives. The light shines brightest when it shines into the darkness. The reality is that we're born into a world where sins and sorrows do grow. And what we're celebrating when we sing joy to the world is that our sins have been covered. You realize that Satan or the devil, he wants you to live under a cloud of shame in your life. There's actually a name for Satan in scripture. He's called the accuser of the brethren. That's Satan's favorite thing to do is to accuse you. He wants you to live under condemnation. He wants you to live in a constant state of guilt and shame. In fact, I've realized most people who have addictions, and a lot of us have addictions that maybe aren't so well documented, right? There's alcoholism, there's drug and chemical addictions, but there's also shopping addictions. There's food addictions, there's eating addictions, there's people-pleasing addictions, I need the pleasure, the, the people the, you know, to like me. 
And most of these addictions, they come from shame and guilt that we have in our lives. We carry shame and guilt around with us. And we don't know how to deal with that shame or guilt. So we find something that for our personality and disposition makes the pain go away for a little bit. Whatever that thing is, you do it. And then you feel bad that you did it. And so it becomes a spiral and you go even lower in your shame and your guilt. And you try to, you try to, you know, hold it together, but you're carrying around the shame and guilt. And then you act on that thing again and you keep going lower and lower. Some people impulsively, they're addicted to lying. We all have these different downward spirals in our lives. God calls them sin, but they're very real in our lives. And, and when we get on that spiral, in our own strength, we're powerless to pull ourselves out of it. And Satan, who's the accuser of God's people, he wants you, when you look in the mirror, to just see a whole bunch of flaws. He wants you walking around in shame and guilt. But there's good news. You don't have to live that way. You realize through Jesus, there's a positive spiral. There's a forgiveness spiral that is upward. And that is that every time you make a mistake, by the way, did you know that no Christians are perfect? Did you know that no matter how long you walk with the Lord, no matter how much you serve in the church, no matter how much you read the Bible and pray, you're still going to make mistakes. And when you do, it doesn't make you a bad Christian. It makes you a normal Christian. And what Satan wants, he wants you, you've got your pure heart, you're trying to follow Jesus, you stumble or you fall, you make a mistake. We all do, okay? He wants you to beat yourself up about that. He wants you to define yourself by that mistake because he knows if you can define yourself by that mistake, that he can get you on that negative spiral going down. And what we remember at Christmas is that when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just kind of ignore our sins. He didn't just brush them to the side. He covered our sins. He washed our sins away. And if you've placed your faith in Jesus, there's no sin you'll ever sin that hasn't been forgiven at the cross. There's no mistake you'll ever make that God can't repair. There's no brokenness in your life that God can't heal. And when we sing joy to the world, we're reminding ourselves, my sins have been covered. And I don't have to be on that negative spiral downward. I don't have to live a life where I'm walking around in shame and guilt and condemnation. Every day I can claim that when I confess my sins to God, he's faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And you can live knowing that you are a washed and clothed and adopted child of the king. There's actually, we've talked in this series that Christmas is about the savage struggle between good and evil. Savage struggle between good and evil. It's a struggle for your soul. It's a struggle for your family. It's a struggle for the hearts of nations. And within that struggle, you need to know this about you personally and your own struggles. In the book of Hebrews, it describes this scene at the right hand of God that Satan is there to accuse you. Satan's there and he says, there she goes again, God. You see how jealous she is? Do you see how lustful he is? Do you see how much pride he has? Do you see how selfish she is? Do you see how mean she was to those classmates? And Satan is there constantly accusing you, but you know who else is there? Hebrews eleven twenty five says that you have a high priest, Jesus Christ, who ever lives to make intercession for you. What does that mean? It means 24-7, Jesus is at the right hand of God. 
And when Satan comes to God and says, hey, did you see what she did? Jesus immediately says, my blood covers that one too. Yeah, I died for that too. Yeah, my forgiveness covers that as well. And part of celebrating Christmas is, first of all, you receive that forgiveness by placing your faith in Christ to have the forgiveness of your sins so you know you've got eternal life. There's nothing between you and God. And secondly, when you place your faith in Christ and you become a Christian, you can now live knowing my mistakes don't define me anymore. My failures are no longer final. I'm forgiven. I have a new identity. Did you know when God looks at you, if you've placed your faith in Christ, he sees the righteousness of Jesus when he looks at you? Because your sins are covered. So when he looks at you, he's not defining you by your flaws and your mistakes. He's defining you by the forgiveness that you've received through Jesus. And that's why it says, no more let sins and sorrows grow. Where sin and sorrow used to be like weeds that overtook the gardens of our hearts. Because we've trusted in Christ, that's, those weeds don't have to keep growing in our lives. And the thorns of sin no longer have to infest us and infect us. Scripture put it this way in Galatians 1 verse 4. The Lord Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins. That's the act of self-sacrifice. He gave himself for our sins in order to rescue us from this present evil age. So question do you know that your sins are covered? Do you know it in the sense that you know for sure you have a right relationship with God, you will spend eternity with God because you have received this gift? Do you know it for your salvation? And how about this? Do you know it for your identity? When you look in the mirror and Satan wants you to see a collection of mistakes and flaws, do you see that? Or have you invited God to renew your mind so that you can believe and receive my sins are covered. And when I look in the mirror, I see not because of my good works, but because of what Christ has done for me, I see a spotless, clothed in white child of God who's adopted into the family of God. God wants you to experience that this Christmas. And that's what we mean when we sing joy to the world, our sins are forgiven. The ancient heart of Christmas is the belief that the Creator came down among us. He carried our shame. He felt our pain. And now He provides a sure way into a better life for all who will believe in Him. Do you know the forgiveness spiral? Have you ever gotten on it? If you haven't yet, you can get on it today. God, I want to know every time I make a mistake, it's an opportunity to absorb grace and get on the positive forgiveness spiral instead of believing the accuser and being on the negative shame spiral. This is what God desires for you. He loves you. He wants the best for you. There is joy in the forgiveness of our sins because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, the ultimate act of self-sacrifice. Well, there's a second way this old song, Joy to the World, captures... The joy of receiving and giving self-sacrifice. And it's this, Christ's joy is available to all. Christ's joy is available to all. The, the old song says he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. In other words, there's no part of your life and there's no person in your life that God doesn't want to bless and help with 
forgiveness and with this good news of joy to the world. Most importantly, that it's available to all, that means it's available to you. Do you know you've received it? And secondly, it also means it's available to everyone you know. Christmas Eve is next weekend, and I am just praying with faith that God is going to bring thousands of people here, and he's going to bring some people who don't yet have this joy in their life. And for those of us who know it, one of our big applications of experiencing the joy is to invite those people to come here and hear a very simple, dynamic explanation of here's how God loves you. Have you received his gift? In fact, let's look at the gift. Romans uh, chapter 6 verse 23 puts it this way. The wages of sin is death. What are wages? Well, your wages is your paycheck. When you do your taxes, your W-2 will say wages on it. A wage is what you get for what you do. And God says there's a paycheck for sin. Just like in the world of physics, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. In the world, in the supernatural world, for every sin, there's a consequence. And the, the main consequence of our sins is death. That's why our bodies die. But what's beautiful is that when Jesus died on the cross, he wasn't just doing a religious symbol. He was actually taking upon himself the consequences for all my sins. All these paychecks of death that I, <laughs> that I need to cash because of my sins, he, he cashed them for me. He took my death upon himself. He took my consequences upon himself. He took my shame upon himself. He took my sorrow upon himself. And here's the beautiful second half of the verse. That's where we were apart from Christ. But in Christ, the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Have you received this gift? And who in your life needs this gift? Who in your life needs this gift? As you pray about Christmas Eve, we've got invites out in the lobby. We've got all kinds of invites. We've got little business card ones that you can give to a person and you can kind of sweeten the deal if you add a, you know, a Jack's Donut gift card or a Starbucks gift card or something. And as we've said before, you can leave that business card size one at a restaurant as long as you leave a good tip, right? Please don't leave a connection point invite with a bad tip, okay? But you can leave one with a good tip. Now, the easy thing as we think about who we could invite for Christmas Eve to receive this gift of God, the first thing is to think of the people we love, people in our families, or maybe some neighbors who you really appreciate. But there's another group of people I want to talk about. That's the angry, grumpy people. The angry, grumpy people need the joy, don't they? So this is another story of us moving from California. So... We have this neighbor across the street, had this neighbor in California, uh, who was a little angry and grumpy. And as we were cleaning out our house, we started to get this kind of collection of stuff that it's like, why do we still have this? It's of nominal value. It's probably going to go to Goodwill or to the dump. Uh, so we're not going to take it with us. But in California, people do this thing where they set that stuff out by the curb because there are people who will come by and, and take a lot of that stuff. And so you set it out by the curb, and you wait a few days, and then whatever's left you take to Goodwill or to the junkyard. Well, we had set this stuff out by the curb, and it was not a big collection. It was probably about 10 feet long. I had some old off-road truck tires that had some tread on them. I had some kids' toys and a grill that we weren't going to bring and just a few things like that. 
And, it, you know, it didn't look great, but it was going to be there for all of about five days. And I flew here while I was here with you guys last weekend. Our grumpy neighbor lady attacked. <laughs> My wife was pulling out of the garage. She's got our two girls in the back seat. And the neighbor lady comes over, pounds on my wife's car window. My wife puts the window down, and she starts cursing my wife out. She's dropping F-bombs. She's all out screaming, yelling at my wife about how angry she is that we have this pile of junk in our yard and how terrible it looks. And our daughters are in the backseat. My daughter literally last night said, we're in Indiana now. The angry lady can't get us, right? <laughs> I mean, this lady, like, traumatized our kids. And, of course, my wife is there with the kids. This is when they're sleeping on the Coleman camping cots and the sleeping bags, and life's already a little difficult for her. She calls me and tells me this story. You know what my human nature response was? <laughs> like, <laughs> all right, lady, you want to go? Let's do this thing. Let's see who wins. Right? Everything in me humanly wanted to go over there and get put in jail <laughs> and as I thought about that and it's the great thing about being a pastor I'm always having to read the word of God you know <laughs> and I'm reviewing this message and it's like you know what that's a person who does not have joy in their life obviously I mean I don't know what happened to her as a kid but between then and now she has not found this joy and so the very people that we most want to just, oh, how can you be so angry and grumpy and mean? They're the people who most need this message. That's the darkness that the light can shine into. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. And why has God put us here? He put those grumpy relatives in your life. You don't want to see them at the holidays. He put them there so you can shine his light to them. You can show his joy to them. That coworker, that neighbor, that classmate at school that's just angry or mean, they need this joy, and we get to invite them here for Christmas Eve. You know, some of the most anti-God, meanest people I've met are actually the people who are most seeking and searching for fulfillment and joy, because they've hit that rock bottom. They know that life is dark. And they're not going to say, will you please invite me to church? But you can give them a, a little gift card, with an invite, and you can pray for them, and you can see what God does, and, and stand back and keep your windows up. <laughs> well, there's a third way that Christ models giving sacrificially, and it's this. Christ does not force his joy on you. Interesting, in Joy to the World, it says, let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Now, whether or not people receive Jesus as king, they're going to realize eventually in the next life, he is king of kings and lord of lords. The time is coming when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the king of the universe. He's the lord of lords. But he gives us the choice if we want to kneel willfully in this life and get to worship him in his presence for all eternity in a place of peace and joy or he gives people with their free will the ability, if they choose, to reject him. Now, they're still going to be kneeling for eternity, but they're not going to be kneeling in heaven or in God's presence. Uh, God put it this way in John chapter 1. It says, this light came into the world, 
came to give life to the very people that God created, but many of them rejected him. And then verse 12 says this of John chapter 1, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So the question is, you're, you're coming to church, way to go, okay, you're in the right place, but just coming to church isn't enough. Have you had a moment in your life where you've received? Have you had a moment in your life where you've believed? And if you haven't, you can do that today. You can do that when we take communion in a few moments. You can receive, say, God, I need your forgiveness applied to me, and I believe today, Jesus, you are Lord of lords, you're King of kings, and I want your forgiveness for my Life And when you do that, the moment you do that, you become a child of God and he sees you now as the righteousness of Christ. He sees you as his son or daughter. You know, I think of my kids when they make mistakes, I do not stop loving them. <laughs> when they make mistakes, I don't disown them. And when we make mistakes, he sees us as his children. And, and every week when we gather, we remember, Jesus, thank you that your sacrificial act on the cross covers our sins and has made us children of God. And we experience complete joy when we receive that act of sacrifice. And then we experience joy as we give that sacrifice to others. Well, I want to tell you a true story about that. It happened in this very room yesterday. I was here yesterday morning and this room was full of round tables and around the tables were families. Families who are part of something called the Connection Point Holiday Project. It's something that you all have been doing long before I got here and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I got to walk around yesterday and kind of be like a reporter from back when I was a journalist and just see everything that was happening. And let's look at this picture of what this room looked like yesterday. Oh, here it is. Okay. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Here's what the Holiday Project is, if you're not familiar with it, okay? Um, every year, Connection Point picks out over 100 families. So we're talking about 600 children and parents together. These are families who are doing their best in life. They're really making an effort, but they're having a hard time financially for various reasons. And what Connection Point does is different host families from our church will take these families who are in a season of need, take them under their arm. And it starts in the summer, and it builds a relationship. And at Thanksgiving, we, through the church, we give each of them a Thanksgiving dinner. And we give each of them a new coat, new gloves, new hats. Many of you have bought and provided these specific things. And then as it moves into Christmas and holiday time, we buy Christmas gifts for all 600 of these kids and parents. And, and the parents come here, they have a great big meal, and that's what was happening yesterday. So each table is a host family with a family that's in a season of need. And after they have this great meal, they walk down to the gym, and here's what's in the gym. It's the Christmas presents that you all have bought for these families. And I have to tell you guys, it's hard to get the scale of this because this is a really big gym. But these toys, and these are all brand new unopened toys, and they're good toys. They're high-quality stuff. You walk down this, about half that length is the length of a toy aisle at, like, Target or Myers or Walmart, okay? It goes twice that long, and there's toys on both sides of it. There's four of those rows. 
And as you go down, they get nicer and nicer. It gets into like nice radio-controlled helicopters, radio-controlled cars, skateboards with helmets. I mean, all brand new, all provided by you all. And here's what I have to say. Let's go back to that picture of that room. As these families are gathered around these tables, the kids went to Kid City to just have a blast. The parents are going to get to go wrap their own presents for their kids. You know what the spirit was in this room? Joy. Joy defined this room. Why? Because people were receiving gifts of self-sacrifice and people were giving gifts of self-sacrifice. Now, I want to tell you a true story about a sister in our church named Carrie. Here's a picture of Carrie. Carrie, about seven years ago, was in the darkest time of her life. She was going through a divorce, and like any of us, it's not like she wanted to go through a divorce. It's not something that she planned on. And she found herself after that divorce as a single mom with four kids, no breadwinner, and just struggling to survive. Five years ago, someone from Connection Point met Carrie, reached out to Carrie to tell her about this joy that is available because the light shines in the darkness. And Carrie and her four kids became a recipient family in the Holiday Project. Carrie and her four kids, at this age, uh, her kids, two of them were in late elementary and two of them were in middle school. I just want you to put yourself, think of being in Carrie's shoes. Think of being a single mom with two kids in elementary, two in middle school. And Carrie said, at that point, I, I had a job and I could make ends meet, but there was nothing left over at the end of the month. And my kids were at an age where the holidays are such a magical time, but I just knew I don't have any resources to give them a magical holiday. And Carrie said that she literally prayed, God, I pray that you'll somehow provide for my kids to have a good Christmas. And that's when one of you reached out to her and invited her to be part of the holiday project. Carrie described getting those jackets and hats and gloves that first year for all four of her kids and for her. She described getting the meals. She described the emotion that overtook her when she walked into that gymnasium and saw all those presents. She'd worked with the host family and they had picked out exactly what her older kids wanted and she got to wrap those presents. For three years, Carrie and her kids were the recipients of the holiday project and she received joy as she received your sacrificial gifts. Well, the beauty is that the story doesn't end there. The light shines in the darkness. And where there's darkness into your life, the light, as you keep inviting Christ into your life, the light will overtake the darkness in every area of your life. Carrie, as she was loved by you all, became part of this church family, became part of a small group. Now her kids have gotten older and they serve in Kid City. And she said, John, I've never had a community like what I have at Connection Point. You see, what she experienced at the Holiday Project, that was just the beginning. Now she has a whole life. She has a whole community here. And in that process, as she has walked with the Lord, God has allowed her to get some promotions at work. So starting two Christmases ago, Carrie got a promotion, and she realized, I'm now in a place where I can be on the giving side of the Holiday Project. And so Carrie now is still part of the Holiday Project, but when she sat at one of those round tables yesterday morning, she's one of the host families now. She's on the giving side now. Now, what a beautiful picture of God's desire to embrace us in love, to pick us up, to get us back on our feet, 
And you know, as Carrie described what she received and now what she gets to give, what was the thematic word? Joy. Because joy is experienced when we give and when we receive sacrificial gifts. So two application questions for you today. First, have you received the joy of Christ's sacrificial love? Have you received this for your eternal life? Secondly, have you received it for your identity when you wake up in the morning knowing my sins are forgiven today, my shame is washed away today, my guilt is gone today, I'm a child of God today. Secondly, will you experience complete joy this Christmas by giving sacrificial love to others like Carrie's doing? And this is one where you just invite the Holy Spirit to lead you, God how would you have me experience joy by giving sacrificially? Some of you are in a season where you can really give of your time. Others, God's going to call you to make a financial sacrificial gift to a person or to a ministry. The Holy Spirit's going to lead you about where that is. Others of us, the sacrifice is to sacrifice our pride and invite someone we're afraid of to come to Christmas Eve. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Have you invited his presence into your pain? Let every heart prepare him room. Have you made room in your heart for him? No more. Let sins and sorrows grow. Do you know the forgiveness of sin? Have you shared with those in your world who need joy in their despair. I love what happened in this room yesterday morning because it was a picture of what the church is supposed to be doing. This is a church that's doing what churches are supposed to do. We're shining joy into the despair of the world. We're shining hope into the hopeless corners of the world. As we take communion in a moment, I just want to invite you to, first of all, receive God's sacrificial gift. And then secondly, invite him to lead you. God, where would you have me give sacrificial gifts this Christmas? Let's pray that together now. Father, we thank you that in the person of Jesus, the ultimate gift of self-sacrifice was made. And it wasn't just made for the nations or the world. It was made for John, for Bob, for Susan, for Zoe, for Grace, for Carrie. And Lord, no matter how dark anyone's life may be right now, just like Carrie's was seven years ago, your light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus, we invite your light to light up every dark corner of our hearts. There's some uh, struggles in this room, some sin and shame and guilt that needs to just be warmed by your forgiveness today. And I pray that your sons and daughters will stop defining themselves by their mistakes and their flaws. That they will receive your love that covers over our sin. That they'll walk with their heads held high as children of a king. Lord, we receive your love over every area of our lives today. And Lord... We want to give sacrificially this year. We know that's where joy is actually found. Not in hoarding, 
but in giving sacrificially. So Holy Spirit, will you lead each of us? Show us where you want to give us uh, of our time. Show us where you want to give us to give financially. Show us where you want us to give emotionally. Show us to what person, to what ministry, to what place that we would experience your complete joy this Christmas. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. We pray all this in your name. Amen.